is if you've been in this industry 10 years and you are still letterbox dropping and sitting down at your desk and making 100 or 200 phone calls a day, you're missing the major point. And the major point is that you should have created a client base over that period that wants to use your firm because of your honesty and the efforts that you put into the results for them. And that's what it's about. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Sam here. Today, I'm excited to introduce to you a guest that has over four decades of experience in the real estate industry. Starting his journey inspired by well-known Strathfield identity, George Devine, he swapped his career as a publican into real estate. Focused on exceptional customer service and credibility, this particular guest is someone who's become somewhat of a legend in the eastern suburbs of Sydney and now as a director at Highland Double Bay alongside his son David, he has further solidified his family real estate legacy. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show today, Bill Maloof. Thank you, Sam. Very lovely introduction. Well, I don't know whether it's all true, but go on. <laughs> well, I've been very excited to talk to you actually because It has been well documented that you went from being a publican into real estate and that inspiration came from Inner West Real Estate Identity, George Devine. And that's correct. Yeah. So talk to me about your meeting with George and how you were inspired to make that change. It's interesting. I was running a hotel that was an early opener. So we were open at 6am in the morning and closing at 6.37 at night, which means it didn't really give me a lot of time to go out and look at residential property. And we decided now that we were going to move out of the hotel and move into Strathfield. So what I did, which is what any normal person would probably do, I sent out about six letters describing on what I was looking for to a number of the agents in Strathfield District. And to my great surprise, the response that I got was a number of agents ringing me and saying, look, we've got something for you. Why don't you come and have a look? And I told them that I was very time poor in my availability during the day to go out and have a look. And I found it really interesting that the only thing they wanted to do was service the properties that they had that didn't even meet the criteria that I was actually looking for. So I thought, look, this is all a waste of time. It's a waste of their credibility. And more importantly, I just wasn't interested. Now, George Devine showed me two properties only, one of them in Barker Road, Strathfield, and one in another street off the boulevard. And both of these properties basically was 70 to 80% of my personal requirements, and I purchased the one in Barker Road. And it sort of left in my mindset that I thought, well, look, if this is the way the industry operates, there's got to be a huge gap for somebody that wants to listen and understand that people are time poor especially in the top end of the marketplace where they just don't have the time to go out and waste their time looking at properties that don't match their requirements. And I had a discussion with my wife and thought, look, maybe this is an opportunity that I'm a great believer in service. We've got a hotel as a very important service industry. We used to run their social clubs, their football clubs, 
all that sort of area for the, the clients of the hotel to keep them interested in where they were drinking, which were our properties. And I thought, well, maybe it's time for a career change. And the rest of it is history. I've been here now north of 36, 37 years and love every moment of it. They say that I know a lot of real estate agents in the industry have swapped from hospitality and in a way that's what you did. How did working with all different types of people in a pub set you up for being a great real estate agent? Well, yeah, I don't know whether I'm a great real estate agent, but you learn to listen. When you're serving a lot of people in a hotel atmosphere, every personality is completely different. And there are people there because they're lonely. There are people there because they've got problems at home. There are workers there that work extremely hard. And the hotel atmosphere is an area of them to just release the tension. And I learned very early in life from my father that you've got to listen. And the hotel industry is about listening to your client base and their needs and what they require. That's why we went very big in social commitment to their lives on the weekend. Now, the real estate industry is not much different to that. You've got to listen. You know, if you're there talking at a presentation and the only person that's talking is you and you're not listening to the requirements of the vendor or what their expectations are, you've lost from that point. And I learned very early in life to listen. And I also learned don't waste somebody's time. And I think that's an attribute and you've got to have very good product knowledge. And I do find there are a lot of agencies that don't work on the product knowledge side of things. Did you and George stay friends? Because, I mean, George Devine is a bit of a legend over in the inner west as well. And obviously his son Stephen went into the business and things like that. Did you guys stay in touch throughout his career? Well, I'll tell you how much I stayed in touch. That yes, I did speak to George occasionally. But more importantly, I did attend his funeral as well. I had an enormous amount of respect for what he did for me during that period, and I never forgot. And I've spoken to Stephen, I haven't in the recent years, but I did when he went out on his own and then also found out when Dad's funeral was and I attended that funeral. Now, that's a pretty big statement to do, and this is we're talking a number of years later, call it 10, 15 years after the fact. Can you share more of your decision to focus in the eastern suburbs of Sydney when you first started in real estate, even though you were living, you know, across the bridge? Look, I grew up in the eastern suburbs. Um, My parents live in Victoria Road, Bellevue Hill. We had a hotel at Maroubra, the Golden Grove, and there was a gentleman there called Mike Sanchez that ran a real estate office, and we used to run a betting syndicate in regards to the football results on the weekend. And he actually approached me during that six or seven month period because his office was involved with that area where we used to have a payout at the end of the year and a big lunch for whoever was a member of that betting syndicate. And he said to me, would you like to make a change to real estate? Back then I said, look, this is my family's lifestyle. I don't think I would ever make a change. And when I was 35 at Auburn, I decided after what had happened with George Devine that maybe there was an opportunity. And he was at Maroubra and I rang him and I said to Mike, I'm thinking of making a career change. And he said, there's a desk in my office. I will train you. And I thought about that. And then I came to the decision after I spoke to my father and said, look, I'm going to have a career change, which absolutely surprised him. And he said to me, why Maroubra? And I said, well, I've got somebody there that's going to train me. He said, what training do you think you really need? He said, as long as you've got product knowledge, 
And as long as you're prepared to listen and as long as you're 100% clear with people and honest and direct with people, you should be able to make it. And then I rang Mike and said, Mike, I've made a decision. I'm going to do the walk through the streets of Double Bay. I will find out who's hiring. And there was a golden opportunity at Hookers that had come up because I knew one of the people that was moving. And I thought to myself, it's probably going to take me three or four years to break into this. I can't see the point of me breaking into it and potentially being successful and then moving from Maroubra to restart my career in Double Bay. So I figured I was either going to make it one way or the other, and if I made it in Double Bay, well, I consider this the mecca of the real estate in Australia, to be honest with you. I don't have to retrain myself again and let people know who I am and what I'm capable of doing if I've spent three or four years trying to establish myself at Maroubra. Hence, I came down here and I asked for a position in an office. It's a bit like that song, that New York song, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And that's exactly right. And that's what I thought about. Yeah. I didn't want to retrain myself or reestablish myself in a new territory. If I wasn't going to make it, as I said, to the manager of this office at the time, which was a gentleman who I have huge respect for, is Ken Jacobs. And when I sat with Ken at the interview with nobody with any previous real estate industry background, I looked him in the face and said, listen, you won't have to sack me if I can't produce something within six months. I won't embarrass you. I will walk out the front door. I'll make it very easy for you. And hence, he gave me the opportunity to try. Yeah, amazing. And I guess for some of our younger listeners, newer real estate agents in the industry, during that time, you would have been up against some of the really big names, like you would have been competing for listings with some of the big names. You know, I'm thinking people like Bart Goff, maybe Di Jones, John McGrath. How competitive was it back then and how did you focus on winning listings against people with such big names? Well, to be honest, I wasn't competing against those people at that stage. I learned in life you've got to crawl before you walk and then you've got to walk before you run. So what I did is I asked Ken to give me a patch, which they did, and I remember what the patch was. It was Dover Heights. And I said, let me start there. You've got to establish yourself at the 200,000 or the three or the four before you can. You can't go out there and thinking, you, Bernie, irrespective of my family's relationships with people that lived in the eastern suburbs, how are they going to entrust their multi-million dollar properties or 10 million or 15 with somebody that has not proved with a track record? So I started from the bottom, way down at 150 to 200 to 300,000 bracket. And what I needed to do, and this is the most important thing, in fact, if I'm interviewing somebody, a 22 or a 24-year-old person today, the first things that I do with them, or one of the first things I say, go and get a scrapbook. Go out there and write down on a weekend all of the 100 or two or three or 400,000 semis or one-bedroom or two-bedroom units that are currently on the market with an agent. Go and look at those properties, put a photo of the ad, in a scrapbook, give your personal description on it, whether it's in the middle of a block of 10 units or it's the top, and create your knowledge on that marketplace that you're going to work in. Go and do this for six months. If you're serious, then come back and show me the homework that you've done. Because unless you're prepared to put the time and the effort into learning about the value of property and the difference between 
what a penthouse will bring, what a garden apartment will bring, what one that's on a three-level walk-up. You've got to all of a sudden know the knowledge of the area. And if they don't do that, they don't even get a second appointment with me because they're not being true to themselves and they're not developing the product knowledge which I consider the most important aspect of what we do. One of the hallmarks of your career that I found during my research was just straight hard work. And unfortunately, Bart passed away last year and we did a bit of a retrospective of his life. And we had a comment left on the article which reads like this. From age 24, I was the late, great Robert Protégé for most of my adult life. Contrary to envious popular opinion, Bart's greatest legacy was his unavowed honesty with vendors on price. It cost us many deals lost to unscrupulous fat cat agents in Double Bay who worked nine to five and couldn't lace his boots while the two of us worked alone until 10 p.m. The only exception who joined the night shift with Billy Maloof of LJ Hooker being the only hardworking exception. What's your reaction to that? Everything that you just said to me is 100% of what success means in this industry. I've got a policy and everybody knows it. You ring me at one in the morning or two in the morning, I will answer my phone. We are in the service industry. And Bart was very much that way himself. I would leave this office at 10 or 11 o'clock at night as a principal and I was here at 8 a.m. or 7.30 in the morning. And everything that you just said is exactly why he was such an unbelievable and honest and credible agency. Look, my father said to me, and I've mentioned this in a number of podcasts that I've done previously, when we were all 18 and 19, I had three other brothers, or I had three other at the time. One of my brothers has passed away. And he said, I'm lending you my name. Do not tarnish it. And I've actually never forgotten about that statement. Bart's legacy is also the fact of his honesty, his credibility, and I've tried to run my life in the same vein. And the other person that did that was a gentleman by the name of Ron Pillinger, who I also had an enormous amount of respect for. The reason that the client base that I have today, and all my work is based on referral from lawyers or families that I've represented for their uncles and their cousins and what have you, is the fact of that our honesty and our credibility and our hard work effort. And you've got to realise that the most important asset that families develop is their principal home, and they're entitled to get the maximum amount for that. But they also are entitled to know the truth about a price range of that property so they can make a well-educated decision on where they're prepared to take the offers that are on the table. And those relationships will go on everlasting, and that's what this game's about. I've said a number of times, if you've been in this industry 10 years and you are still letterbox dropping and sitting down at your desk and making 100 or 200 phone calls a day, you're missing the major point. And the major point is that you should have created a client base over that period that wants to use your firm because of your honesty and the efforts that you put into the results for them. And that's what it's about. It's the results that you can create that nobody else could create. And that gives you long-term reliability and credibility in this industry. And he's right. There are a lot of people out there in this industry that just pull figures out of their heads hoping to gain the listing and discounting their fee structure, which is not the way to represent anybody. And I don't chase the reduction in fee structure, never have, never ever will, and neither did Bart. 
So you just mentioned the legacy of a family name and, you know, in real estate, we're fortunate to have some amazing families that have flourished in the real estate industry. Tell me about bringing your son, David, into the business. Well, actually, I didn't bring him in. He was a personal trainer and doing quite well at it. And we went away on a holiday with a group of friends and David pulled me aside and said, can I have a talk? And I said, not a problem. I said, you're doing very well on what you're doing. But his comment then was that the lifestyle that we've been able, my wife and myself, to provide for the kids, he said, do you think I will be able to do that as a personal trainer? And I said, David, you have a huge social connection with all of your friends and people, even older than you. You used to amaze me when you were even at school, the cars that used to pull up and we were walking in double bay and someone would put their head out the window and talk to you. And I would say to you, how do you know that person? He's 38 years old and you're 17. He turned around and said, socially. And he said, what will you do if I decided I want to get involved in the real estate? I said, well, I'm more than happy to train you and give you the background that I've learned, but you will need to make it in an office environment on your own. I can't feed you. I will support you. And he said, well, that will create the lifestyle that I will want for my family for the future. And I said, I have no doubt. I said, there is no limitation to what you can earn in this industry. You don't need a university degree to write serious figures. You just need credibility, honest and hard work. And he said, well, that's what I want out of life. And if you look today at the marketplace that he's created for himself, I couldn't be more proud than what he's achieved. And he's done that independently of me. And I think that's remarkable. And he will go on to be a market leader without a doubt when I decide that I've had enough. And people say, why do I still do it? Because I love what I do. My father said to me many years ago, whatever you decide in a final career, if it's going to be the hotel industry, make sure you want to get up in the morning and go to work. And I said to David, when you break into this industry, this is not a job. It's a place that you get up and say, I'm excited to go to that office and do what we're doing. And I still have that drive. I have that drive to meet new friends. I love what I do. I love the negotiation of it. And that's an art within itself. And that's what he's doing. And that's why I'm still here at my age, because I don't want to just go home and sit down and do nothing. I love meeting new people. And I love the results that we create for people. Well, you made an exciting move in 2021 in joining the Highland Property Group. What unique aspects of that group do you believe enhance your business and contribute to your success? Backend is an important art of a real estate company. It's not about the number of properties you turn over. It's about the backend and the results on what you earn based on what your running costs are. And I seriously had a look at the David Hyland operation, and that came about because I was given an invitation by David Hyland to go and look at a very exclusive property in the Cronulla District, which we started to market together. And he had 120 people working in his company. And what really impressed me is the back end. They do project marketing in an extremely effective way. They have a concierge service that brings every tenant that goes through to your property after a six-month period, every sale that's made on a yearly anniversary, are you happy? 
They have a finance division. All of this is in-house. They have a recruitment company. They have heads of each division to keep an eye on property management, on sales, on marketing, on social media. And I said, this is the complete corporation that I'm looking for to also take pressure off me and just let me do what I do. You always learn that you've got to use the assets that God gave you. And then if you've got shortcomings, you look for somebody to bring those shortcomings into your own business. And that gives us a business now that's highly competitive, highly successful, and still growing with a CEO of the company that I now have developed in a huge amount of respect for in David Hyland and his management team. His management team are remarkable people. David Hyland was actually on the cover of issue one of Elite Agent all the way back in 2014. So I remember seeing him speak at ARIC and have a heck of a lot of respect for what he's done and what he's built. As I just said, you look for what you don't have and bring that into your business. And that's very, very important. We've got to be not too proud, and this goes to whatever industry you're in, to say, this is where my shortcomings are. And is there somebody that can rectify those shortcomings that I don't have to worry about them? I mean, I'm one of the old tag people, and a silly thing to say. I don't have a keyboard on my computer at all. I have an unbelievable person that is my manager, which is a girl called Jackie, and she does all of the back end and all the computerization for me and all of that. I make every phone call back. I don't respond to text messages with texts. I actually ring people back. And these are the areas that I have shortcomings in. But I make sure everybody I do business with gets a response from me every day. And that's an important aspect. So you look at where somebody is more achieved and has the capability at the back end side. When David came in and actually looked at my computer on my desk, all he saw was 15 postage stamps on the screen. And he just shook his head and I said, I can't believe this. I said, that's me, Dave. I'm old school. Can I change? Probably not. But he has brought the technology to me that I've never had through the support staff that we have with this office. Yeah, I think that's an important point just to ponder on for a second because as humans we all have strengths and weaknesses and what you're saying there is that you need to pick what your strengths are and work to your strengths and then more or less find someone that can build you up where you might not be so strong. But isn't that a case of any company including public companies? I mean you know CEOs of companies are answerable to the directors and it's their responsibility to fill the gaps of that company to increase the shareholding value of that business. And if you walk around and you think you're all things to all people, you're crazy. You're living in a false world and a false sense of improving that business within its own right. Yeah. Let's talk about the difference between real estate when you started versus today. What are some of the common mistakes that you see agents making that hold them back from real success in the industry? There is absolutely no doubt the technology that's out there today is that you've got to be in tune with it. Now, if you went back three years ago and had a look at my social media, there was no social media. You've got to keep your identity and your corporation's identity out in the public marketplace. An area that I looked at many years ago and I wondered why, look at Coca-Cola, how big Coca-Cola actually are as a company, as a public company. 
and you will look that they support with TV advertisement consistently, even though you would think paper advertisement, social media advertisement, even McDonald's, and that's got to come back to the people's belief in where they should be and how they should be represented in the marketplace. You're never too big to say, I don't need this now. We are so big, we don't need to be on social media. We don't need to be advertising our company. And these are the shortcomings that actually I have. And I think that technology has improved enormously. But I think what hasn't improved in our industry, and I think we need to be monitored greater, is the way agents still operate that they walk in and give estimations to people that can't be achieved. They're not being honest. They're not being true to themselves and they're not being true to the public. And I think that we need to clean this business up. The heavy discounting in in commission structures, the paid advertisement for people to gain business rather than gaining the business on your own personal track records need to be looked into on a management point of view from the Real Estate Institute because we still hear of a lot of things that go on that leave people not believing that agents are honest, hardworking and reliable people. We don't have a great reputation from the public's perception and we need to improve that perception about our industry. We're down there with the second-hand car salespeople, and that's wrong. I mean, this is a very expensive industry for the vendors that we represent, and we need to clean up that act without a doubt. Yeah, it's a shame that some of the people that do that sort of thing make it hard for the honest, hardworking agents of the industry, of which there are a lot, to be successful or to have a good reputation or to be able to build trust because of a few that don't behave with integrity. And we should be monitored over better integrity, and I don't think we are. And if you've got nothing to hide, you shouldn't have any objections of an institution or an organisation to come in and say, right, open your books. These are kind of coaching questions because a lot of our audience are other agents, and so it's a bit of a role play. I'm going to pretend I'm one of your top performers in real estate. I'm not a real estate agent, by the way, just a journalist. I'm struggling to take the next step in my career. Let's say I'm somewhere around 200K GCI. What steps would you take to coach me into moving further ahead in my career? Okay. There are a number of areas in this. And I think one of the most important things for a principal or a senior salesperson, we go through highs and lows in this industry, including myself where everything that you're doing is working correctly, you're making sales, you're getting listed, and you're running at a level that makes you feel very secure within yourself. We need to read our salespeople, and we will go through periods where things are tough, they're not getting the results, they're not winning the presentations, and you tend to, when you go to those meetings, start to do a lot more talking and not listening to the vendor's expectations. You're so desperate to get the business, you're making the vendors actually feel nervous. So I think what's very important is you've got to step back. Ours, uh, for example, David, myself, um, Will Manning that works for Daniel, we need to read these signs so we can sit with our staff and say, right, things aren't working for you, let's talk. Because losing confidence in this industry in such a competitive can do you a lot of damage and you start to lose belief in your own capacity to list and sell. So that's an area. 
I also believe very strongly that you meet with your sales staff. If they're having a problem in regards bringing a sale to completion, sit with them, sit with the vendors and see what the shortcomings are and why you're not actually getting there. Were we expecting more for that property than we've actually got on the table? And there's a lot of talking that needs to go on. And I go back to especially with young people that's starting in your industry, you need to do that door knocking. You need to go and meet people in an area and you've got to concentrate on a specific patch. That gets back to being you're not going to be all things to all people. You've got to get recognition in a particular area. Pick a patch that you're confident. Maybe it's where you live, where you think you can make a difference. And you go out there and you door knock on houses and you go and sit with little old ladies that have been there for 30 or 40 or 50 years. And you know what? They understand what's going on in their street more than anybody else does. And you need to give time to people. You know, you might get a result out of that straight away, but you give them your personal time. And another thing that I used to do, and I found this amazing, when I first started here, I used to go to different coffee shops in this area, not just one every day, and I used to leave my business card after I had a cup of coffee or breakfast because it's also amazing what waiters get to hear with people sitting at tables. And it's amazing when I used to come back and somebody would say to me, oh, Bill, by the way, um, these people are thinking of moving to Melbourne. I heard the discussion. I know their names, they're regulars. And it's amazing what information you can get from just the general public by listening. It's an area that you want to build them. You've got to take people and make them realise that in your company, if they're successful, the business becomes successful. So you need to put time into their personalities. You need to put time in going if they're having a tough run and listening to their proposals to a vendor. And so you can pick up on where the shortcomings would be in their presentations, in their expectations of the value of the property. What did you use? It's not just going to a website and looking, what did they pay for that property and what I think they want to hear. That's not a correct way to know what you're doing. You need to go out and look at these six or seven streets around that property, what has transpired in the last two to three years, what was the difference between those two houses, what the quality of the house, the view of the house. You need that product knowledge to be able to look them in the face and talk to them, and that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I remember I interviewed Paul White a couple of years ago, who's, I think, grandson of Ray, and I asked him the question, I said, if Ray White were around today, what would his advice be to book more appraisals? Because as we speak at the moment, listings are down a bit across the country. And his response to me was, and I'll never forget it, it was, you know, you put your hat on, you walk up and down Queen Street, Brisbane, I imagine, and you just talk to people. With listings down a bit at the moment, what would be your advice to real estate agents who are sort of feeling that a little bit? It's not down a little bit, it's down a lot. If you look at the Wentworth Courier, and I judge the exposure of properties in the Wentworth Courier, if you go back two years ago, we're coming into a period of winter, things get a bit slower now, but after and start moving back into August, September, October, the Wentworth Courier was over 400 pages thick. Currently in this year, in the last six to seven months, I don't think it broke maybe 91 pages. And to me, that's about a 47% a reduction in availability of stock. 
So what you need to do now is go back to all of those people after the last 10 years of successful sales that you've made and find out also where they are at their stage of life. Have the kids moved out? Are they thinking for a transformation to the country or what have you? Are they downsizing? So go back to your original Rolodex of all the people that you work with. And then also now, especially now with a few of the younger agents, is you get on that telephone and you need to make the calls and you need to walk those streets. And then you need to also, when you see a property come up and if it's in your patch that all of a sudden wasn't there three weeks from now, for three weeks ago, that you will find that somebody else in that street or in a neighbouring street after the result of that property will also decide to list their property. So you've got to go back to the basics. You've got to go back to the old strategies. Um, The ones that have been doing 10 or 12 years in the industry, you just get back on the telephone and you talk to people. Are you happy? Where are you at your stage? What did you think of that result? Are you thinking that's enough to make you think of doing something? How do we see the market going? Has the interest rates affected you? All of these areas, just on a personal one-to-one conversation. But if you don't pick up the phone and you don't make that call, you don't know what's in their minds. How many times have you looked at the Wentworth Courier as an agent and said, oh, my God, I've had a relationship with these people, but you never contacted them and they've decided for whatever reason they were ready to go and they might have done that because something in their neighbourhood came up that turned around and said, oh, if that's worth that, mine's got to be worth this, let's give it a go. And that person that made that sale initially would have been one of the first people they picked up and rang. So you've got to stay in communication. Contact is highly important. And it doesn't have to be intense. The discussion is about, are you happy? You've been there 15 years. You've been there 10 years. What can we do? Can we just bring you up to date with no pressure? But honest and direct communication is very important. Out of sight is out of mind. And that's a very important aspect in this industry. You've got to keep yourself out there in the public's eye. How often would you maintain contact with people that you've worked with? Quite a bit. Jackie, my right arm, without me even saying anything, is out there. I have a book that's very thick of people that I've done business with over 36, 37 years. In a lot of cases, I'm socially connected to quite a number of those people. But it's always that occasional phone call. How's everything? How are the grandkids? How's the house? Done any improvements? We go back to the previous clients and friends of clients and pick results that have happened in a particular street and then make sure the salespeople go to those streets and just make people aware that something's just happened. What are they thinking? So you've got to be proactive. You can't sit there and think it's just going to come to you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to give you another quick role play question and then we'll wrap it up. But we find what's really popular on our website at the moment are celebrity homes. And I know that you've probably sold some amazing homes in your career. But let's just say that you've just been given a listing from somebody high profile who doesn't want their house ending up on eliteagent.com and they want to be sold in a week in complete privacy. How do you go about doing that? What I actually say to people in regards to that, that are um, CEOs of company and high profile individually, that let's work it on the QT with the client base that I have on my books that's looking within that range for a couple of weeks. But I also say to them very directly, look, you can't tell a secret, right? If you have made the decision that you now want to make a move, want to go to a penthouse, we need to put it out there because people have got to realise people at that level 
of the marketplace are not out there with agents and saying, look, I want a waterfront. I'm looking to spend 50 or 60 or 70 million because they don't want to be pestered. And that's important to realise. So I've always found that eventually after two or three weeks of private showings, and if we haven't been successful, we then convince the owners that, you know, we don't need to put your interviews and things of that nature, but we do need to have inspections by private and pre-arranged appointments only, but we need to feature the house because properties of that nature, of course, we also have a number of Australians now that are coming back after COVID that have been very successful in Europe, in London, in America, and they want to relocate children back to Australia uh, for the education. Now, these people, they're looking on websites. They're responding to ads that are out there. And I've always believed that these exclusive properties do believe, do belong out there in the marketplace. How you handle the inspections is privately. You don't discuss the, the sale price. You give people the privacy they deserve. And I believe they do belong out there because that's eventually where they're going to be sold because somebody's going to ring in and say, look, I've seen this. We believe this could suit us depending on the budget. We're not chasing agents because we just don't want the phone calls and we don't want to be disturbed and we don't want people invading us in our privacy. So I've really found over the years that this is the best way to do it. There was a sale not so long ago that was done reasonably quietly, but it did get out there circuit in excess of 90, we'll leave the property out of it. But I had somebody, had we known about that property, would have paid more. Now, had that property gone publicly, I think the vendors could have had a slightly better experience than what they actually did. So I believe, you know, it pays to put yourself out there or not yourself, but put the property out there. Yeah, interesting. Okay, one or two final questions. Do you have a favourite success quote or some words to live by? Yeah, that's very easy to answer. Keep your credibility and your honesty because without that, you've got nothing. I give an example, and then this is a funny way of doing it, but I agree with it. If somebody rings my wife and I say, let's go to dinner and they want to take us to a restaurant that we've actually never been to, we have fantastic service, the food was great. It doesn't matter about the expense of it. It's about the experience that you just had. You will find that you will probably personally then take a group of your friends that don't know that restaurant exists. I don't know who the owner of that restaurant is. I've never met the owner of that restaurant, but I've just increased the value of his business by coming back with new people that never even knew that restaurant. But it is purely judged on the experience that I had. And I say that's the most important aspect of what we do. We will be judged on the experience that somebody has with us over that month or three months. And that's what's going to give you a career that will be so acceptable to the marketplace and acceptable to yourself and establish you in the marketplace by what people say about you and not what you say about yourself. Well, Bill, it has been amazing having the opportunity to have a chat to you and pick your brain for a while. So thank you very much for coming onto the podcast and sharing some of your wisdom with us. If there was one thing or one thing to remember that you'd like to leave everyone with, what would it be? Love what you do because that's the reason you'll be highly successful at what you're doing. Amazing. Bill Maloof, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. 
with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinaliteagent.com.